Good morning, North Boulevard. I'm going to start with a story. Carolyn Grimes uh, spent the first 15 years of her life in Southern California. But uh, when she was 14 years old, her mother died prematurely of Alzheimer's. And when she was 15, her dad died suddenly in an automobile accident. She was sent to live with her aunt and uncle in Osceola, Missouri. <clears throat> they loved her, but it was, it was a very awkward fit for her. And um, I think she would report that it was a difficult childhood. Obviously, you lost your parents. You know, the dif difference between Southern California and Osceola, Missouri is, is pretty vast. She also had a pretty difficult ad adulthood. She had a husband who died of cancer. She, she ended up with a remarriage. She had a son who committed suicide. She became a medical technician. And again, though she was a happy person and, and had a, a decent life, um, she wasn't everything that she really thought life should have offered her until she turned 39 years old. And this was in the late 1980s. When she was 39 years old, she got a phone call from, of all people, the secretary of Jimmy Stewart, the actor. Jimmy Stewart had been looking for her for some years. Turns out he wanted to meet her because it had been 33 years since Jimmy Stewart had held in his arms and said in his lap, little Zuzu. That's who Carolyn Grimes actually was. She played the role of Zuzu in the film, It's a Wonderful Life. It was paid $75 a day. She ended up moving. And believe it or not, Carolyn Grimes had never seen the movie and had almost forgotten her role in it. 39 years old and she had never seen the movie. She had not even seen it as a child. She had long since forgotten it. She had moved on, as I said, to another life. She was working at a hospital. And Jimmy Stewart had asked the question, wonder whatever happened to little Zuzu. When he finally found her, um, she went and watched the movie saw herself for the first time as that little six-year-old girl. And she fell in love with Zuzu, with who she was. And actually, the last 30 years or so, she's become quite a uh, celebrity. She, she helps kick off, you know, movie viewings of the film. She's spoken at events. She's sort of an in-demand uh, speaker, and she's actually written a few books and all. Seems like a, a precious person, what I can tell. I read her, her, her story just this past year at Christmas time, and one of the things that she said was, when she discovered Zuzu, she said, you know, almost at the age of 40, she said, I kind of found out who I am again. And she says, now I'm still Carolyn Grimes, but she said, really, I'm Zuzu, and that's who I want to be. And um, she repeated in this interview the thing that, Everyone in the English-speaking world seems to remember from the film, which is, look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel earns his wings. Isn't it amazing that some little act done in you know, the 1940s, when Zuzu was six years old, can be long forgotten, even by her, only to come back decades later and to become one of the greatest blessings. I mean, it's just one of America's favorite films, and it ought to be. It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful life. And that's kind of how good things work. It's, they're like seeds. You can throw seeds out, and you may not even be there when the seed springs to life, but it does. You may not know that it produces more seeds, which then springs somewhere else. You may not realize the seed that you cast may, may not even bloom until years down the road, or it may not bloom anywhere near you, but on the other side of the world. I mean, you touch a person with a kind act here and on the far side of the universe, someone smiles. 
you, know, you offer a gesture of goodness to, to one person here and a hundred years down the road, some little child's life has changed by the gesture you did here. It's God's principle of we do so, uh, we reap what we sow. That is, every good deed from God gets some kind of blessing, even when we don't see it when it's years down the road or in someone else's life or part of some big plan that we're just not privy to yet in this life. And that's really what today's about. Today's the day that we're asking you to make a sacrifice. God has called many of us to do If God hasn't called you to make a sacrifice today, then don't. But every sacrifice that's made, big or small today, is going to be like a seed that's thrown out to the wind. And we are promised by God that it will bring a harvest, first a harvest we can't imagine, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what mind has not even imagined the harvest. Second, it's a harvest that may spring up somewhere so far from us that we won't know it until the day of resurrection. And third, it's an eternal harvest. It's a harvest that will just never stop. It will produce seeds that continue to produce seeds. This is today, this is the culminating day of our New Day campaign. Um, a chunk of the money that we want to raise today will go towards the building of a permanent home with the West Campus. Two weeks ago, West Campus had 502 people in person. That's like a crazy, phenomenal number. West Campus, awesome job. Uh, the money we want to raise today will help plant two or three churches here in the U.S., communities that are waiting for the gospel, and this will give them the chance to hear the gospel. And the money that we raise today will give somewhere in the vicinity of about 400000 to up to half a million dollars a year for the next several years towards these disciple-making movements where we will see literally, literally thousands of people baptized, Muslims and animists and, and non-believers for whom Jesus is already their Lord, but they don't know it and they're just waiting for the gospel to come. And it is as though God is just turning everything there into spiritual gold. And, and I want to remind you, every church we plant, every soul we save, every disciple we make, they bring with them the kingdom of God. So when these people are saved, They'll build orphanages, and they'll, they'll adopt children. They'll build schools. The work that we've been doing, we've been part of the building of 70 schools now in the Global South because we made disciples, and that's what disciples do. There'll be clinics. There'll be wells dug with fresh water where there hasn't been fresh water since the Garden of Eden. Today's the day of the gospel. Today's the day we get to see some, I don't know, the start of a miracle, the throwing out of the seed of the gospel is a miracle here, near, clear on the other side of the world. Now you're wondering why I'm preaching from my home, I guess. Um, it, um, let me just say this, so many of you know, I have had a persistent cough for uh, four months. It got worse when I got COVID at the beginning of February. It was bad enough that I broke a rib last week uh, through a coughing fit. So Tuesday of this past week, uh, my doctor said, hey, we need to just, let's just check and see if there's something else going on besides the bronchitis of last November and COVID of early February. So Tuesday afternoon, I had a CT scan on my lungs. And by Tuesday night, the doctor had called up and said that the, uh, look, the CT scan is disconcerting. There is a mass on my kidney and there are nodules scattered throughout my lungs. So at this point, we don't know what it is, but um, all of us are smart enough to know that, that um, you know, it's not good news. Here's the goodness of God. In less than 24 hours, we were meeting with an oncologist because, because we have good people who, who just helped make that happen. 
And uh, we still don't have a diagnosis, but for the next few weeks, I'll be doing um, various tests. They'll do a biopsy on me. Uh, we Again, we don't know. We're not even sure are the nodules in my lungs connected to the mass on my kidney. We don't know what it, we don't know what it is. Um, we all have imaginations. I'm so emotional about it, but not, not fearful emotional. I just am emotional about it. I can't seem to stop coughing. I've taken a lot of powerful drugs that are making me a little on the loopy and forgetful. And with all of that and the importance of today, I just thought, I, I can't not be with you today. This is the day of the gospel. This is one of the happiest days of my life. But I don't think I can look in the eye without breaking into tears because it's been like a really um, unnerving week for us. Okay, so I've said it. Now, can I ask you to do something? I know you care about me and I know like this concerns us all. I know it concerns you and I know you care. But just for today, we've said it, we all care about it. Let's set that aside and let's celebrate the gospel today. I've, I've given 45 years of my life to the gospel and I want you to know today is more important to me than what I heard on that CT scan last Tuesday. This is the day I live for. I live for the day that the gospel goes to the world. I live for the day that's all I live for, is for the day that every single person gets a chance to say yes to King Jesus. And that's what today's about. So will you please be joyful today? Let's celebrate today. Let's let today be about what it is. It, it is about the gospel here and near and clear on the other side of the world. And that's really what our text is about. Our text is about the fact that all these people of faith that we read about through Hebrews 11, they all left a legacy. They handed a legacy to us and now it's our turn. So, in fact, David walked us through Hebrews, the last few verses of Hebrews 11 last week, David Hunsaker. And I want to read verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12, and, and this is the last in the series. So, can I read these two verses? And here's what I want you to listen for. All the blessings that we've received, uh, the inheritance that's been given to us, the amazing legacies of faith that run back for generations that link us to last generation, but link us through the Middle Ages, all the way back to Jesus and the disciples. That legacy handed to us is now ours to give to the next generation. So here's what the text says. Therefore, so he's just gone through all these people of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have all these we have all these heroes around us, he says. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and let us now run with perseverance the race set out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today is a day of great joy. I want you to know I'm, ha I'm so happy today. This is a day we've prayed for and looked for for two and a half years. We, we've gone through the pandemic, the, the exhaustion, the fatigue of the pandemic, this terribly divided nation. Now a war with, the, with Ukraine, the, the inflation, the, um, the pain it's inflicted on us. People have had COVID, we've lost dear loved ones and family members. We've gone through all of that for two and a half years. We've said, we, let's at least 
when let's at least claim when this is over that blessing that we're going to take the gospel the legacy handed to us and we're going to pass it on to the next generation that's what today gives us a chance to be that's actually what makes today like a beautiful day i was i had the broken I, I couldn't be with you last week but i've gotten so many cool reports on what the children's ministry did i think like one of the coolest things that's happened is the the, the boulevard marketplace where the children were down there like uh, so i've got a basket of some of the things our children were doing where they were baking cookies brownies where they were making <laughs> paper airplanes this only sold for a dollar by the way every penny going into this vision of here and near and clear on this side of the world and as i was talking to amy about it he, you know we were just talking about like the cool thing of the money that went into it but here's what amy said that's so that's so worthwhile she said david for these children the children who did these things doing great things for the kingdom doing great things with the gospel will be the norm for them. They're growing up in a church where it's normal for a church to think about how do we get the gospel to the whole world. Guys, that's why I love you. That's why this is the best church. Because this is normal for us. that we, Even when we're hurting and we, and we need pastoral care, we don't take our eyes off the gospel. I'm looking, you remember these, the uh, love bomb, the, uh, not a lot love bomb, <laughs> bath bombs. I got me a bath bomb now. Actually, I thought it was a strawberry covered apple, but it, it, you don't, I don't, wouldn't try to eat one of these if I were you. Um, if, if you do, you will need your diet uh, A&W. Okay, so back to the seriousness. What I am saying is you children who did this, so Alan Speck, I, I, we bought a, I had Rachel buy for, as a gift from me for Julie, Adam is doing a, Alan, Adam, or I said Adam, Alan Speck is doing, he's doing a violin concert for Julie. He'll come by and uh, he's just like giving tickets for this sweet guy who's just willing to do these concerts. Alan, Alan every dollar that you gave, you don't even know this, my friend, but in 30 years, some somebody somewhere on the other side of the world's life is going to be changed, saved, literally, because you did that. I'll tell you a story. In the year 1999, Bonnie Blaylock, one of our members, saved the life of an albino child in East Africa. I'm not sure Bonnie knows that. Bonnie and Bobby, great people and dear friends, and good members at North Boulevard for 30 years. They, they go to the East Campus. And um, Bonnie, who's also an author, by the way, you should read, his book, read her books. I asked Bonnie to coordinate a prayer vigil in 1999, which she did as a week-long prayer vigil. And the prayer was, Lord, bring us someone to help, help our mission program just go on steroids, just explode in, in its outreach. And I want, I want you to know that uh, we had people like Nick Horton and, and Don Daniel and Bob Webb working on and they... They've been very devoted. Nick Horton, I'm not downplaying the other guys, but Nick has just given a lot of his life to this. Um, so it wasn't like we were failing. We just realized the gospel is huge and we can do it, and we've got a lot of resources. So Bonnie prays that leads us through this prayer for a week, back-to-back -back prayers. At the end of the prayer session, we had Philip Slate, who was the dean of the missions program at Abilene Christian, come speak to the elders. And he just cast a vision of how how big missions can be. Everybody loved it. It was so good what he did. As he's walking out the last night of the presentation, he's going out to his car to go to his hotel to fly home to Abilene. 
I'm walking out the door with him. We get to his car and I said, Dr. Slade, I'd give anything if, if a guy like you could just move to Murfreesboro and help us take the next step. It was an off the cuff remark. I mean, I just said it off the cuff. And he looked at me and said, well, if you're interested, that might could be done. Two months later, Philip Slate was here and Philip, he just opened our eyes to a world of missions. But think about this. It was Philip who said there's good mission work to be done in East Africa. So Bonnie leads a prayer. In response, God sends Philip. Philip says, I think there's something to be done in East Africa. I can help us find somebody. Philip goes out and finds Calvin and Alicia Gruen. We hire them and send them to East Africa to make disciples and plant churches. Now they and their team, that includes the Baileys still today, planted more than a hundred churches. But listen to this, when you make disciples and plant churches, you also open schools, you care for orphans, you, do, you dig wells, you do agricultural work, all of that comes with the gospel. So Calvin says at some point he's seen so many babies die of malnourishment and at times even mothers who have to just leave their babies on the side of the road because the mother can't care for the baby and she can't stand to watch the baby die in front of her eyes. And Calvin said part of the gospel is we got to take care of these children. So Calvin and his team started Nema House. That's how Nema House got started. Nema House in, in Mwanza, Tanzania is, um, it is a North Boulevard product as a result of Bonnie Blaylock leading us in prayer. I don't know if Bonnie, if you put all that together, but because you led us in prayer, God brought us Phil. Because God brought us Phil, we got Calvin. Because we got Calvin, we got 100 churches. When we got 100 churches, we got Nema House. And here's the deal. In certain subcultures uh, among the, the, uh, the Sakuma people there in that part of Tanzania, an albino child is considered a community curse. And I hate to tell you this, but it's not uncommon for albino children to be killed um, because they're considered a curse. Jerry's an albino little boy. And Calvin went and found this little albino boy whose life was, he wasn't going to be able to live. And he brought him into the to Nema house. And now little Jerry, listen, is a Christian? He knows the Lord. He's got a community that loves him. And his life is saved. Now, who would have guessed when Jerry's mother prayed so many years ago, Lord, will you save my albino baby? That God would say, yeah, I'll do that. I'll get Bonnie Blaylock to lead a prayer service who will end in Phil Slate coming, who will hire Calvin Gruen, who will go over and plant 100 churches that will build a Nema house that will save little Jerry. When you guys did this, that's what God will do with it. You won't even sometimes know where it springs up, the seeds that you plant. You won't know how widespread it is. We may not even see it to the resurrection, but that's what we're doing today. Today we're making a donation of the Lord, a sacrifice to the Lord. In a few minutes you're going to be asked, will you make a commitment for the next three years? We're not asking you to give the money today, but will you commit, this is how much I'm willing to give over the next three years. And what you can't tell is that every... Penny here, dollar here, results in somebody's soul and life saved clear across the globe. I think about that kind of legacy and I just say, I don't know of a church like North Boulevard. It's been part of the legacy of North Boulevard. In fact, I, I want to inspire you for just a moment. Hoyt Smith, who passed away some years back, a prince of a gentleman, by the way, lived to be, I think he lived to be 100 years old. He was um, 
he was he was just a, a prince of a human. His daughter, Becky Smith, was with North Boulevard since its inception. Becky died in 2017. She left me, by the way, a beautiful clock and a, a barometer that we have on our wall. She personalized it for me. They were here the first day. Hoyt became, was a founding member. He was a, a founding charter member and became an elder at North Boulevard. And we sent a, a camera crew out to Becky uh, in, I think it was 2013, so she passed away several years later. And just, I asked her, can you reminisce on North Boulevard? And Becky remembered not only the first day, which is June 15th of 1947, but she actually remembered the first sermon ever preached at North Boulevard. So the, the preacher, he was a visiting preacher, it was Sam Pittman, S.R. Pittman. Uh, he was actually a professor at Lipscomb University. He's kind of a quirky guy is what I'm told and what I've read that um, he, he had a very stately uh, oratorical style um, and just kind of, he wore odd looking ties, just kind of cute. Anyway. He came and he preached, and uh, Becky told me what his first sermon was, and then Becky told me her impression. So I I'm just going to pause for just a second. It's a very short clip. But will you just listen to Becky as she describes the genetics, the legacy of North Boulevard? So we began meeting on, in June of 1947, and it was a very exciting day that first day. I just remember that we were just so excited to be there. There were probably about 150 of us, and that Sam Pittman preached. And his sermon topic was um, walk to the top of the mountain and look at the view and see the view. I remember that. And I think we have done that at North Boulevard. Really, we have. So it was kind of prophetic. Go to the top of the mountain and take in the view. That's really what we're doing today. And I said it's in the DNA, it's in the legacy of North Boulevard. You know, so many of the Christian um, blessings that we enjoy in Rutherford County have roots that are at least connected in North Boulevard. Middle Tennessee Christian School, you know, who, who, who's ever given more than Tom and Ann Beatty, you know, patron and matron of North Boulevard. When um, Stones River Manor, which is where my father now lives, when Stones River was, uh, Manor was started, in the early 1960s, it was largely North Boulevard people. Uh, even today, E.C. Talbert, one of, uh, who was my doctor before he retired, um, another prince of a human, who helped volunteers to help serve at um, the Stones River Manor. Uh, Dalton Stroop was instrumental in starting this, the manor. Dick Palmer, Harry Belcher, by the way, who was, if I remember right, Harry Belcher was a grocer. And he even volunteered to quit his job and help lead Stones River Manor for no, no salary to get it off the ground. Because in the early 1960s, and these are North Boulevard people, they just said, we just need a place. This is before NHC, before other, a lot of the professional uh, organizations came in. We need a place where Christians can go and be loved when they reach a certain age that they can't care for themselves. That's the North Boulevard way. These people weren't looking out for themselves. They were reading Hebrews 11 and they knew they were surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and they were looking down the road at the next generation and saying, we need to hand this, this needs to go to the next generation as well. I guess what I'm trying to say is that here on this day, this day of celebration, you know, we, like we stand on the shoulders of, of giants who've handed us so much. If you go to a church, you're going to a church that somebody planted. Every church was planted by somebody, and every church plant involves somebody making a sacrifice. 
you know, over at, at West Campus in 2012, we were just praying, God, would you help us open a campus on the west side of the county? We had no plans. We didn't know what we were doing. We, ne we weren't multi-site at the time. And I can't tell you how many people just, I'm, I'm not trying to say, and you should be especially grateful. That's not my point. I'm just saying, people just made a sacrifice. It's kind of like that's what the people of God do. We realize that maybe we don't have to make a daily sacrifice. In a sense, we all do. But there are times, there are moments in the history of a congregation where you say, okay, this is the day that we can rise up and we're going to do something that leaves a permanent legacy. Now it's our turn to enter Hebrews 11 and to hand off a legacy to a future generation. And so today is nothing but a legacy of the gospel here and near and clear on the other side of the world. I want to tell you, since uh, this week knocked my feet out from under me, uh, we've been in shock this week because of the, this, uh, this scan, the CT results. And I've been super emotional. In fact, I, I've just been super emotional. Sometimes I find myself just trembling. Um, and I think, well, I'm not really scared. Why am I trembling? But I was just talking to somebody earlier today, and I was asked the question, are you scared? And they meant it, and it was a nice question. A fr friends can ask each other that. And I said, I, I can't tell if I'm scared or not. I can tell you this. Julie and I, Wednesday night on Zoom, we met with the elders at North Boulevard. I think all the elders are present. So the elders are meeting in person, but some really shouldn't come back just yet for various reasons. So there's, it's both Zoom and in person. And Julie and I did a Zoom. Um, and there we sit while every single elder prayed over David Young and Julie Young and our kids and our family. And, um, goodness, I, like, I can't even respond to all the text messages and emails and the calls and the food piling up at our house. And the emotion that I, I really have this week is just profound gratitude. Do y'all know How many preachers would give their right arm and their right leg to belong to a church like North Boulevard? I get to be part of this church. And um, I get to be part of a day like today. I'm not trying to guilt you. Hey, we know it's emotional. I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I, you know, I, I know it looks like I am. I guess I am, but I'm not trying to. If you don't want to give, don't give. I don't care. I love you anyway. I just want to say, I just feel gratitude. We get to do this. We get to be part of the gospel. We get to be part of something. And one day, who knows who it is is going to come up to us and say, you were, you were the one? You were the one who did the cupcake? Do you know that saved my child? And we get to be part of that. And um, I am so happy to be part of it. This is a day of celebration. You sing with joy, smile. This is a great day. And uh, God's going to take whatever happens today. And he's going to do something so awesome with it. And, um, you know, in God's book, no cup of cold water is ever unrewarded. And so we're going to go into a time where um, we pray a song or two and, and get a chance for us to say, okay, this is, you know, this is what I... I think God is calling me to do. 
You guys know that I wish I were with you in person. I don't think I have the emotional strength to be with you in person right now. Much less all the, I'm taking some pretty strong medicines that are making me a little loopy. But I am so there in spirit, and I want you to know this is one of the happiest days of my life. God bless you, North Boulevard, for going through the hard, hard work of these last few years and for standing together today on this day of celebration. The gospel goes out again here, near, and clear on the other side of the earth. I love you guys.